Welcome to Houston Sports Talk with your host, Robert Land. And welcome to Houston Sports Talk's live Astros Mariners postgame show. Robert Land alongside Stephen Curran. Oh my God, do we have a lot to talk about, Stephen? Between the two of us, 60 years combined in sports journalism, we've watched Astros baseball for a combined 100 years or just two hours shorter than this game, Stephen. And I, I waited for Marwin to end the game or George Springer or Billy Hatcher or Chris Burke, but... They couldn't do it, so it had to be Jeremy Pena. Jeremy, meet Chris Burke. Chris, meet Jeremy and move over in the boat and make room because people are going to be talking about Jeremy's home run for a long time, just like they talk about yours from 2005. 60 years. You know, you'd think between us, Robert, we'd seen everything. (laughs) Obviously not. Do we say they won this series in three games or in four games? Well, they played the equivalent of four games. I, I think I even tweeted, it's like I, I didn't know the Astros were playing a doubleheader. Uh, Ernie Banks would be proud, wouldn't he? We'd pull out another name from the past. Let's play two. I was thinking well that. <laughs> I was thinking that. I mean, oh, my goodness. And, you know, all I have to say to Jeremy Pena is Carlos Correa would have won the game nine innings earlier. So you suck, Jeremy Pena. You suck, Jeremy. You waited too long. Yeah, I I saw that tweet, Robert. That was great. (laughs) (laughs) I don't even know where to start. I mean, uh, like, I guess the first thing I want to talk about, one of my points when they were deciding the postseason pitchers was the benefit of having starting pitchers like Garcia and Hunter Brown over Phil Maton and Will Smith, and Stephen, I couldn't have predicted this insanity, but the Astros' top five relievers are p- plenty rested because they only had to go one inning in this crazy mess. <laughs> well, yeah, and that's right, Robert, and you may not have predicted it, but the, the Astros certainly set themselves up for something just like this if it happens. And just think, Jose Arquiti, you know, he was tossing. He was ready just in case, but he didn't even get in the game. That was the only hope left unless, of course, you wanted to dig into Christian Javier, and you weren't going to do that if there was going to be a game four because either he or Justin Verlander would have started. So, you know, the the fact that it played out the way it did, when you make these rosters, you never know. But, boy, it just all fell so well into the Astros' hands the way they set up this pitching staff. And Luis Garcia, I mean, you know, everybody pitched well, obviously, for the Astros, but – I'm telling you, Luis Garcia was bringing it, Robert. Did you see his velocity was like his fastball was 97, 98? I mean, when when I saw that, I was like, man, this guy's on. And he could pitch a few innings, and he certainly did. But uh, he's just one of so many that they came through, at least, you know, from the pitching standpoint today. Yeah, if you look behind me somewhere, let me let me see if I if it's there and people can see it. But right over my right shoulder, I think you'll see my Yuli Guriel bobblehead that my yeah. nieces, my nieces got me the Yuli bobblehead from the Astros game this year. And, you know, he was DOA dead on arrival about two or three months ago. We were like, yeah, it's time. It's his career is over with forget Yuli Guriel. And, you know, there were some people that were like, yeah, let's, let's bench him now that we got Mancini. And, you know, that was the sort of the prevailing thought is that Yuli was going to be, out of the lineup and he was going to be a bench player. And I, I'm sure I was part of that. You know, I was, I was one of those people that was thinking maybe, yeah. I mean, I, as much as I love Yuli, 
you know, this looks like it's over with, but oh my God, what would they have done without Yuli Guriel in this lineup in the postseason? Outside of Jordan, he, he's the MVP for the Astros as far as hitters go. I mean, maybe Bregman, I don't know, but that it's a, he's in the mix. Yeah, yeah, he certainly is in the mix. And, and I know, you know, Yuli's getting up there in age a bit. And I did say a few months ago that, you know, whether it's at the trade deadline or somewhere in the near future, the Astros really need to start thinking about first base. Because let's face it, I mean, yes, Yuli's having a great postseason, but it, it's still something they need to think about, just not right now, because he he is hitting again and coming through just when the Astros need him to. Couple of comments. Hello to our friend Brandy, who said Jeremy Pena is a star, and Raphael said, Stephen, I was running out of beers. I mean, that's that's huge. Running out of beers, man. You can't have that. I, I hope you didn't have a whole bunch of people at your house, Raphael. You you would be the you would be the goat in the wrong way, <laughs> not the hero. <laughs> oh, That's my great. goodness. Um, quick reminder to everybody to subscribe, like, and comment on YouTube. That's how you can support us. We've been doing this show. I've been doing this show for nine years. Uh, Steven co-hosted for three years. He's uh, helping me out with the Astros postgame. He'll be you know, here in and out. Sean Bajani is now my official co-host, but, you know, I we have guests. It's a, it's a big mix, and... You know, I've been running this thing for nine years. And when we started, I always tell people it was 2013. The Astros were one of the worst teams in baseball oh. history. They had what lost three 100-game seasons. It was a disaster. And now it's just moment after moment like this in the postseason. And add Jeremy Pena to the mix. And, Stephen, you know, we, you and I, I said at, off the top, 100 years we've been watching Astros baseball. I mean – let me go back. I, I saw Billy Hatcher's home run in my yeah. bedroom in Sharpstown, Houston, Texas, when I was, you know, a sophomore in high school. I was watching the game at at school. They had it on one of the televisions at school. That's how old I am. And then I get home and I watch the end of the Billy Hatcher game. I was there in the building for Chris Burke. Unfortunately, I was covering for, for the media. I was talking about this with Sean the other day on the podcast about how, you know, I was down by the, I had to be down by the clubhouse because I was shooting post game and I had to be ready as soon as the game was over with. So I'm watching it from the media room instead of actually seeing it in front of me. And it's, you know, it's a different experience. You, you, you're not allowed to do all the cheering and stuff like that when you're, you know, covering no the game. cheering in the press box, as they say. Yeah, that's all right. Yeah. That's right. Oh yeah. my God. Some, yeah. I, I have uh let me throw it to Richard Sanchez, who says he's been up since 5 a.m., was fighting my sleep for five hours. Uh, <laughs> go Strohs. I, man, I, way I, to hang I, in there, Richard. Way to hang in there, man. I, didn't, didn't the game start at 4 a.m.? How was he only up at 5 a.m.? It, it, it sure seemed like it. I mean, it, what did it start at 2 p.m., I guess, but it, it seems like it was at 4 a.m. It was so many hours ago. Um, and, you know, if, if you're not into pitchers' duels, yeah, you probably were thinking about falling asleep. But I, honestly, Robert, I, I know it was frustrating watching inning after inning. The Astros, you know, the Astros struck out a bunch in this game, a bunch. And most all of them, if not all of them, were swinging strikes. So, yeah, it has to be frustrating inning after inning seeing both teams just, you know, taking their cuts or watching pitches go by and just not hitting. But you can't take away the great pitching that was in this game. I mean, on both sides, it was just absolutely incredible. And you were talking about the Billy Hatcher game. 
know, of course, that was in the 86 playoff game against the Mets. You know, I was uh, I, I was living by myself. I think I was I was in my mid 20s and I was unemployed at the time. I wasn't even working. I was trying to get a radio job and I was uh, living in a house here in Austin. And I remember, Robert, I got so frustrated at one point. I don't know if it was the 13th, 14th inning. I turned the game off, took a shower, counted out of the shower and decided, no, I can't, I, I can't stay away. Turned it up back on and the game was still going on. And I, I made it just in time though. I did see Hatcher's home run before that, but that was a game that, man, you know, the Astros didn't win it, but gosh, it, it's still a game that we talk about to this day just because of the back and forth. And then of course the Chris Burke, you know, game you mentioned, the Astros did win that game in 2005 you know, that, that's something we'll never stop talking about either. So this one is right up there, man. It's right up there. Yeah. And the Billy Atcher game was 36 years ago today, Steve. Yeah. Yeah. That's in that crazy. It's on the very day that that happened, that we have this. I, I mean, history is so interesting, Robert. You know, you say history can't, or, you know, sometimes repeats itself. Well, it did in a way, but thank goodness it didn't repeat itself with a loss this time. <laughs> So are, are you ready to go through some of the plays from this game? Because <laughs> we're going to be here for a while. Well, can I go get my pizza that's waiting for me first? <laughs> I don't know how long. My pizza's like frozen by now. I think it's been waiting so long. But yeah, by all means, let, let's uh, go through this thing. Oh, my God. Where do we start? Well, a couple singles by Tucker and Yuli in the top of the second. Wasn't enthused that... Mancini was starting over a Ledmus, and of course, Mancini strikes out on three pitches there. Good A-B, though, for Chaz, but he also struck out. Missed opportunity. We're going to get to another missed opportunity from Chaz a little bit later, but bottom second, McCullers gives up a couple walks, but gets out of it with a strikeout. Good to see him, Stephen, using his changeup in big situations, and he got the changeup, you know, to work for him right there. He did, and he also used his slider to great effect, too, especially with uh, Julio Rodriguez. You know, he, he threw him a bunch of sliders. Just about every pitch he threw to him was a slider. So, yeah, the, the breaking pitches, I mean, Lance is, is famous for that, and he just I, – I was really confident with him going into this game, Robert, I, confident in him getting the job done just because you know, he's looked good every start that he's come back from the Tommy John surgery. He's just gotten a little better, a little better. You know, he runs into some trouble, but what pitcher doesn't? So, yeah, it was great to see the breaking pitches working and uh, the, the slider, too. So, yeah, Lance got out of that little deal there and just kept on rolling. One of our commenters, Dalio Vallecia, I hope I got that right, Dalio Vallecia says, am I the only one that feels like McCullers and Garcia earn a right to pitch and be the game one and game two starting pitchers of the ALCS? I think there's a guy named Verlander and Fromber and they've, they've kind of earned the right, but I mean, you can't take away anything of what they did today. I mean, and, and, and they're no, going to, they'll not. be, they'll be pitching again, trust me in this uh, playoffs. Oh, you, you will see them. I, I don't know, you know, game one and game two. Now, if things had shaken out to where let, let's say the Astros won this game and, and game one of the next series started in a day or two and McCullers or Garcia hadn't pitched and, you know, somebody like Verlander or Valdez had pitched, you know, in the winning game then yeah, you would certainly, you'd have to go with one of those two for that. But no, they, you know, the Astros are going to go with Verlander and Valdez in games one and two, I'm sure. Richard Sanchez says, I think Altuve needs to talk to Fromber's sports psychologist. Never seen him struggle this bad, Stephen. It was, it was rough this whole series. And he did, by the end of it, 
he kind of looked lost a little bit at the plate. Well, he, he's looked lost this whole series, Robert. And I do remember, you, you and you probably do too, the 2015 playoff series against Kansas City. He really struggled. And I want to say there was even a time in 2017 where he had an 0 for 10 streak, but he, of course, got out of that and played pretty well. But, yeah, th- this is very, very troubling that Jose Altuve is struggling. And, you know, hitting slumps, the longer they go, I don't care how great of a player you are, you're going to keep pressing and pressing too hard. And I think a lot of it is, is that's what Altuve is doing. He just, yeah, he looks lost, but obviously he's trying harder and harder to do something to get out of it. And sometimes that can be your downfall. Let's go to the top of the fourth because it was another opportunity for the Astros. Two hit by pitches and a Tucker single loads the bases for Chaz with two outs. He flies out to center at that point. He's 0 for 9 with runners in scoring position in his postseason career. Chaz struggling, but I'm sorry. It's you got Jake Myers and you got Dubon. Mauricio I, Dubon, yeah. <laughs> you know, and David Hensley. That that's about all you've got. And you know what's funny about this, Robert, is eight of the twelve Astros runs that they scored in the first two games of this series came with two outs. So, you know, that, that certainly didn't happen today, but that it, it just, it's amazing how each game is so different that, you know, the Astros and the Mariners, of course, couldn't either, couldn't get those runs across when they had them in scoring position. So top five Maldonado singles, but no idea how in the world he gets doubled up on a routine pop-up to first, just a lack of focus, which was a killer since it didn't allow Jordan to get up that inning with a runner on. I mean, just a double killer. Yeah, it was. And I I don't know. He may have been trying to, I guess, cause some, you know, lack of concentration with, you know, the pop out to Altuve. Maybe he's trying to cause a lack of concentration among the fielders. But whatever it was, I mean, how often do you see Maldi make a running mistake like that? That, wow, that, that could have been big. Thank God it wasn't. It looked like he was paying too much attention to the ball and not enough attention to the bag because he's kind of feeling his way out there. Like, you know, where's the first base bag where, you know, just look down and make sure you, you know, you don't want to screw that up in that situation. It's just such a huge out right there, especially with the top of the order coming up. And especially that fact that, you know, he's not a guy that normally gets on base anyway. So him on base was like a bonus. Yeah, absolutely right. That was the thing is it, it, it turned into a double play. And so again, that could have been big if, if the Mariners had come right back in that next frame and scored, but uh, they didn't. Yeah, the, the pitching just fantastic. And I mean, I, I'm pretty much done with the first six or seven innings. So Lance <laughs> McCullers, because there's not a lot of action, but Lance McCullers, you know, what, what can you say? I mean, a couple of months ago, we were worried, is he going to pitch again? Can he pitch this year? Is he going to be able to pitch well, is he going to be ready for the postseason? And I mean, it's just a fantastic performance in his first postseason performance. The first time that we've seen him in the postseason since go, we got to go back a couple of years now. 2019. Yeah. 2020. And and so, yeah, that's why I was saying, I just felt so good about him being in this game, Robert. And this is where the Astros pitching depth really comes into play because it, that it, we didn't have last year. We didn't have a healthy McCullers. We didn't have a healthy Verlander. Now we've got both of those guys. And I think Dusty Baker even said that if McCullers had been in the postseason last year, the Astros would be the World Series champs. And he's probably right. I mean, we'll never know, but he very well could be right. 
So we go to the top of the seventh, Yuli and Chaz, both single. So Chaz with the hit, uh, he gets it going a little bit, but Vasquez flies out. Uh, not a good game for Vasquez. And then Altuve, again, strikeout, still no hits at that point in the series. And of course, we know he never got one. He had another 11 innings to get one. <laughs> he didn't get one in the, in the next 11 innings. So we go to the top eight, Steven Bregman, double doubles, Tucker, Strikes out, though, yet another missed opportunity. They're 0 for 7 right there with runners. Yeah, and Alvarez struck out in in that sequence, too. So let's go to the bottom of the eighth. Montero gives up a double but gets a strikeout to get out of it. The bullpen, I mean, just throwing up zeros, one after another, after another, after. And Ryan Stanek, they got him out from behind the 18-wheeler with his, you know, haircut. I, I love that that picture of him behind the 18 wheeler and, and, and he finally pitched and he looked great. You know, I was beginning to wonder is like a, a Ryan Stanek did make the roster, didn't he? I mean, I was starting to go back and look at my roster just to make sure he was on it, Robert, because he, he hadn't been in this whole series and it did make me wonder. I mean, he's one of your late inning setup guys. So the fact that when I, when I saw that he was warming up, I kind of breathed a sigh of relief. Like, okay. Well, he didn't get hurt, you know, at the last minute. We just hadn't heard about it. He's there. And he finally got to pitch, and uh, thank goodness, you know, he got the job done too. And the only guy that didn't pitch is uh, pictured behind. Well, his book is pictured behind me. It's uh, Larry Durker's book. I, I think he's the only Astro pitcher that did get in this game. But let's go to the top of the ninth because Yuli with his third hit of the game, a lead miss hit by pitch. Chaz with the nice bunt. Like I said, the last couple yeah. at bats in, in, in the nine innings, Chaz did some things, but Vasquez with a huge strikeout because you had a chance for a sack fly there or something. And then Altuve, mm -hmm. another strikeout. They're 0 for 9 with runners in scoring position at that. And, 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 and really, that was their last chance, Stephen, for many, many. I mean, it, it, I mean, did they get a guy in scoring position? Maybe one. I think there was one player in scoring position until the Pena home run. Yeah, the, I think they, they, only, they didn't get a hit, Robert, until... I believe it was the 16th inning. Yeah, Bregman single to left in the 16th. That was the Astros' first hit in extra innings. So, yeah, they went, what, seven innings without uh, getting a hit at all. So let's go to the bottom of the ninth because big plays here. Altuve can't handle a hot grounder over the middle. So he not, this one, not only was he bad at the plate, but you know he had some really good fielding moments earlier in this series, but that could have been huge because it hits him right in the glove. I think he would have had a good chance because it was hit so hard, even though it was up the middle and he had to backhand, he had a good chance there. And it, it wasn't an error there, but um, you know that sets up this. There's a Yuli and Pena play where they combined to make a great out on a tough grounder mm -hmm. to first base. It was nearly yeah. a double play. If Yuli could get back to first in time, it, it might've been close. And Presley then hits, uh, hit, hits a guy. Let's see. I'm, I'm, I'm looking yeah, at my notes. Hanniger. Yeah. Hanniger got hit by a pitch there. Yeah. I, I forgot to write down the name, but he hits a guy, but then escapes with Santana, uh, a strikeout of Santana who, Man, he had some tough at-bats this series. Just, I mean, I can't say enough about what Santana was doing for the, for those guys. Yeah, you certainly can. I know he's, what, 36, and I know they're paving the way for a, a young prospect whose name I can't think of to kind of take his place. But Santana's been around, so, and, and he took it to a full count before he had the strikeout. So he had a you know a fairly tough at-bat, but didn't get the job done for them. Yeah, Presley then caused a, a flyout to end the inning, but 
Presley, it's been a little bit rough, but you know, he's escaping everything for now. And he didn't look great the last couple of months of the season. I just don't feel like he's quite right. He's probably the worst of your top five relievers. You know, Brian Abreu has pitched fantastic. Uh, you know, Nariz has been great. So you, these guys have all looked really solid. Presley's really the one guy that worries you a little bit, and especially because he's the closer. He is, but I, I don't. I wouldn't say, at least at this point, that he makes me Ken Giles nervous or you know, Roberto Osuna nervous or you know some of these other relievers that my gosh, they they load the bases with one out or something, and you're sure the game's going to be over, and somehow they wiggle out of it. I, I wouldn't say he's to that point yet, but yeah, he does make you a little bit nervous when he goes out there. All right, let's go to. I mean, was there anything between there and the top of the 16th, uh, Stephen? Because I don't have anything. I know, really nothing that stands out. Like I said, it it was until the 16th that, you know, the Astros were held without a hit until Bregman's single. And, you know, then uh, things, you know, went on from there. Tucker got a walk. uh, But uh, once again, they, they got out. You know, then the big catch, of course, in that inning from Gurriel, who lines out to Rodriguez, who definitely saved the day at least at that point, and then Diaz pops out. And then wouldn't you know, Robert, the first batter that comes up in the bottom of the 16th is Rodriguez, and I'm just so nervous sitting there thinking, of course, you know, he's not going to hit a home run to end this thing after making a great catch, it's, is he? Yeah, no, I, no. a lot of times you just thought, okay, this is where they're going to end it. This is where something's going to happen. And you know what? Luis Garcia, it never felt like, it was even close to being in peril with the way he was pitching. I mean, he just was so on his game and his location was magnificent. Yeah, it, it was. And as I mentioned, his velocity was something else. And, you know, he, he got behind a few batters, but it was never in the situation where you thought, uh-oh, he's going to get in trouble. And I think he threw at least 65 pitches. So he basically got a start in today, Robert. That's that's how long he went. Also, he, well, he, I should say he Roger Clemens did. I, I meant to use that Pretty uh, much, yeah. analogy. He did. Because uh, that was what happened. Clemens went, I think, what was it, four innings in the 18-inning game? And, yeah, he went four, right. And, yeah, Garcia went five innings in that one. Five, um, yeah. And actually, I thought there's two, two, two things. I thought of Clemens, and I also thought of our old friend Charlie Morton, who had a real rough outing with the Braves and the Braves – got kicked out of the playoffs and kind yeah. of glad about that today. But uh, Char- Charlie came in uh, to start this one and he gave up three. But I-, I think of Charlie when I think of what Garcia did, because that was just the way Morton just shut things down for five innings t- during the seventh game of the World Series. Yeah. And of course, you know, McCullers was the one who pitched that game, Robert. And uh, what did he go? Five innings, maybe not quite five innings. And then Morton came in, finished the rest of the game. I mean, yeah, that's reminiscent. Exactly. That, that is a perfect point of what Garcia did today. We skipped over one guy. Richard Sanchez reminds us in the comments because Hunter Brown, That's the right. kid, comes in and he deals and he looked good. Even he pitched over, three innings, I believe. Yeah, overcame a, a, a real bad ball strike call at one point that looked right over the middle, you know, pretty much. Uh, well, but, you know what, yeah. you know what uh, Marvin Hudson did though. Did you see what Marvin Hudson did on that particular call? He kind of tapped his chest, looked back at, at Brown and said, sorry about that. I messed that up. Did, I don't know if you saw that, but it's very rare that an umpire did does that. I mean, Marvin Hudson had a pretty rough day at the plate. He was getting it from both sides, but at the very least, 
he did own up to his mistake. Not that it mattered. And, you know, at least for the Astros, it's a good thing it didn't matter. I didn't catch that. That was a good, good catch by you. And I tell you what, um, Hunter Brown was somebody that I I said was going to make a difference a couple of months ago. I did a little Robert rant on YouTube and I put it up on TikTok so everybody could see it. and and, And I said, Hunter Brown is going to be in the playoffs and he is going to be a difference maker, I think, for the Astros come playoff time because of his electric arm. And the reason that they could use him in the playoffs was even though he's pitched all year long, he's gone between starting and relieving. So he was pretty fresh. And then he comes up with the Astros and he he mostly comes out of the bullpen except for those two early starts. And I mean, it was great managing of Hunter Brown's season by the Astros. Yeah, absolutely. And I stand corrected. It looks like in my notes, Robert, he only pitched two innings. And I kind of thought, you know, maybe they could leave him out there for at least another inning, maybe even two, because he is stretched out enough as a starter that he could have given you one or two more innings. But, you know, they elected to go with Garcia, and obviously that was the right call. But, you know, and the poise that Hunter Brown shows – and, you know, the, the Mariners had two rookie pitchers, too. They had George Kirby, and then they had uh, Matt Brash, I think his name is. You know, they, they, it's amazing. The, the rookies that are coming into baseball, you know, on both sides and, and a lot of teams, Hunter Brown is one of them. You know, he's just come in and shown such poise. Nothing seems to rattle him. And you know what? Before we close anything out in this show, and we're, we've still got some stuff to talk about, we're going to come back to, obviously, the moment but Stephen, I tell you what, the Mariners are going to be difficult for years to come with this pitch. If these, if they can keep these pitchers with this, because te- their pitching, their starting pitching in this series was fantastic. Kirby was great, and Logan was. Great. I mean, Castillo, we know what he can do. Oh, yeah. so, I yeah. mean, those three guys just shut down the. If if it wasn't for the bullpen, the Astros wouldn't have won this series. They they basically got into the bullpen and did most of their damage against those guys. Well, that's right. But, you know, the thing is, even the Mariners' bullpen is pretty good, Robert. You know, the Astros' bullpen is the best in the majors. But the the Mariners' bullpen was pretty good, too. I think, you know, they were the fourth-best bullpen in the American League. So their starting pitching, as you mentioned, is great. Their bullpen is pretty good. You know, we we do think that. I mean, look at the Braves. You know, we thought, you know, they sent all these, these rookies to extended contracts, and now they're sitting at home watching the rest of the playoffs. You never know. But you have to think, I mean, Seattle making the playoffs for the first time, maybe they're going to get on a roll. And if that's the case, you know, the Astros are going to have some competition finally in the AL West, perhaps. We had a little uh, beef with our Astros fans not making noise and showing up really in game two. And it could be argued that they weren't exactly great in game one either. Uh, Steven, you got a comment on watching the, Mariners fans and what you saw from them compared to the Astros fans? Well, yeah, I may have started a little stir on Twitter, I think, when when I said, hey, the, the Seattle fans are showing the Astros fans what it's all about, you know, with them getting loud before the game even starts and keeping up before anything happens. Um, I, I mean, look, I, I understand, you know, it's the first time in 21 years that they've made the playoffs. Of course, the place is going to be rocking. I get that. But look, I, you know, how, how many World Series have the New York Yankees won? Plenty. Well, you don't see their fans sitting on their hands at Yankee Stadium. They're going to be loud and and boo the hell out of you. You know, they're going to be raucous. And I'm not saying the Astros fans are Yankees fans, but come on. You got to get into it. And now that they have advanced, 
you just gotta I, I want to see better things from the Astros crowd overall and get get Minute Maid Park rocking. Because l- let me tell you, you know, you know the both sides were feeling it today. The the adrenaline that was pumping through that ballpark. And it just it it didn't surprise me that the fans were the way they were today. And the fact that nobody left because the game, no matter how long it went, was still an exciting game. But yeah, that's how I felt, Robert. I just felt like the Astros fans could take some lessons, maybe to get a bit of a jump start from the Seattle fans that look, it doesn't matter how many years in a row you've made the playoffs. You only have one World Series. Let's keep it going. Let's let's keep rolling and get into it for your team. Yeah, and, and the point, again, we're going to emphasize this because some people will think, well, we're saying the Astros fans aren't cheering. That's not what we're saying. We're saying the Mariners fans were cheering to try to get their team going, and the Astros fans don't understand that you, as a as part of your home field advantage, you push your team forward. You try to make something happen. You it's try creating to an atmosphere, Robert. That's what yeah. it's about. It's creating yeah. an environment, an intimidating atmosphere or a raucous atmosphere, whatever adjective you want to put to it. That's what it's called. It, it's not waiting until something happens and then you jump up and get on the bandwagon. Just like you wait for the team, you know, to make the playoffs before you start showing up. Well, that's, you know, that's one thing, but that's what it's about. It, it's about creating an atmosphere. Yeah. I mean, that's the big thing is just, I, I just get so frustrated because, you know, we sort of sit on our hands and we're like, okay, well, we'll do something now. Then I'll cheer, you know, and, yeah. and yeah. it's just, it's been, it's been that way for far too long with all of Houston teams. And especially, with, you know, during a regular season, they're, they're, you get it. They're, it's hard. But during the postseason, I mean, my goodness, it's it's baseball postseason and every right. pitch counts and every at-bat counts. And if you didn't know it, you'd know it now after watching 18 innings and, and what's happened in the last, you know, five days. Oh, my God. Yeah, exactly. Well, I get it. There's 81 games in a regular season, like you said. But when it becomes playoff time, anything can happen. As you can see from a game like today, no matter how long it would have gone, how many fans do you think would have left, Robert? <laughs> if it had been admitted by Park in this game, I don't know, maybe not many, especially if you look back on the the history of how some of those games turned out, but it does make you wonder. So they just want to see a little more enthusiasm from the fans. That's all. All right. We're going to, let's, let's get, let's get the Astros fans involved right now. <laughs> Go Astros. Oh, it's one of the, desire. one of the great fight Here songs. <laughs> Love it. Love it. There you go. There's a little atmosphere for you. Go, go, go. So, so which fight song do you think is better, Robert? Go Astros or Houston Oilers? Houston Oilers number one. Oh, there's, well, that, there's that, there's, one for you. That's a little. That's even a little bit more emotion for me. But that, well, I mean, that's is. still the. That's still the greatest of all time, just because I think it's so connected with everything about that team. I agree. agree. This is getting there, man. It's getting close. Astros number one. I tell you what, we we, this perfect music to lead into it. Let me (laughs) let me fade it out because Jeremy Pena comes up Mm. in the 18th inning, and Stephen he has hit so many big home runs all season long for this team. And we saw him in big situations. And what did you say last time we talked about Jeremy Pena? You said, was it Carlos who? Carlos who? 
Yeah, exactly. And uh, let me tell you, Jeremy Pena got that thing to a full count before he hit that home run, too. I mean, he has shown such patience at the plate, too. He's, as I said, you know, in game one of the series, he looked a little bit lost the first couple at bats, but he found it. And man, that homer, it just, you kept waiting for somebody. I mean, I kept thinking, well, at least set up Alvarez. Set up Jordan one more time, Jeremy. Come on, just set him up one more time and let's see if Jordan can come through. Jeremy says, oh, no, no, no. You know what? I'm tired of setting this guy up. I'm tired of setting the table. I'm ready to eat. And he ate. <laughs> he sent it out. Yeah, Goyo Falcone says something that I don't think I agree with as happy as I am about Pena right now. His comment is that he's got more upside than Correa. I like Correa, and he did a lot for Houston, but letting him walk was the right decision. Now, I agree with that part. It was the right decision because, yeah, he overpriced himself. It looks like he's having a hard time uh, finding that money that he wants. And now I don't think the Twins keep him. I agree with that. But more upside than Carlos Correa, Stephen. The thing that Correa has – he's just as good as Pena has been defensively in this playoffs. Correa, I mean, it's – maybe the best shortstop that I've seen defensively. And that even goes to somebody like Ozzy because Ozzy didn't have the arm that Correa, he didn't have the reach, you know, right. the length. I mean, Ozzy right. was an, an incredible shortstop and maybe for consistency throughout his career, you can't find anybody much better than Ozzy Smith, but Correa, because of that arm, you know, is it just separates him from so many shortstops that I've seen over the years, the combination. And he was really consistent, and you could count on him. And except for that first season in 2015 that the Astros were in the playoffs in the Royal Series, which, that big, huge error that he made in that series against Kansas City, after that, basically, there was no major flaws in his defense, nothing even close that I can recall in, in the last – what, seven years that he was with Houston, Stephen? Six years? Yeah, seven years. Well, yeah, that it's going to be hard to top, Robert, if you're talking about having more upside than Correa. That's going to be awfully hard to top. And you know what's funny? We forget about that error in 20 feet. I totally forgot about it until you brought it up just because he's done so many great things since then. Yeah, I mean, Jeremy Payne, let's not forget, Carlos Correa did something else, you know, especially in the 2020 season, uh, in the postseason, when the Astros shouldn't have even made the playoffs. You saw the leadership that Carlos Correa took hold on the field and, and even off the field. You know, he was the voice that finally spoke up after the cheating scandal, you know, when, when baseball began playing again. And it was Carlos Correa who spoke up. And on the field, many times, when the pitcher was rattled, especially when Framber Valdez would get rattled or somebody else, it was Correa who would jump out there first. So, you know, Jeremy Pena, I, I certainly think he has a lot of upside, and he very well may be as good as Correa. We, you know, it's still too early to tell. It's just too much of a small sample size. But Carlos Correa was a leader as much as he was a great defensive player and a very good, timely offensive player. So it's good to think about, though, the fact that we do have a guy that is replacing Correa and you remember, Robert, last year when the Astros decided not to make that final offer to Correa right before the spring training started, you were pretty upset about it. And I was surprised, but maybe the Astros knew something we didn't, that they were fully confident that Jeremy Pena could step in. And it might take a little time, but they were worried and they weren't worried at all about letting Carlos Correa walk, obviously. 
Well, you said the the one thing that I think goes above everything is Pena's got to turn into the leader that Correa is. And that's huge. And another part, like I said, is the defense. Now, offensively, can Pena get better than Correa? Absolutely. He looks like he has that potential. If he ever figures out a way to lay off that slider, yeah. <laughs> then yeah, he, he can be as good, potentially even better than Correa. Correa would be up and down. You know, there were years that he had with the Astros where he was, you know, hovering around 900 OPS. And then there would be years where he was like high, high 700s. And, you know, and don't forget he, the back problems, too. Yeah. Well, I mean, but that doesn't have anything to do with potential. It just means that, you know, and 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 Correa, you know, you know, he, he's, he seems to be OK right now the last couple of years. And we'll see if he can keep that going. But, um, yeah, there, there there are factors that. Pena is going to have to figure out before he gets there. I mean, I, I don't, I don't see quite the potential that Correa has, but maybe he'll surprise me. Um, he's uh, surprised me a little bit so far, at least with his hitting. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm pretty surprised at what he's been able to do at this point in his career. And Stephen, before I go on, the news just keeps getting better because while we were talking all that stuff about Jeremy Pena, the Yankees just got walked off by the Cleveland Guardians. So they're mm. now down two to one in their series, and they're going to have to work harder. And if they they make it, they're going to be a little bit more wiped out. And the Guardians, if they make it, well, I think that's somebody the Astros uh, will know what to do with. Don't you? Well, yeah, absolutely. I mean, think about this, Robert. You know, the, the Padres, Dodgers, you know, the Padres have the Dodgers on the ropes. The Dodgers could be out. The Braves are out. The Yankees could be out. I mean, what kind of a postseason? You know, the networks will be having nightmares if that happens. Yeah, Stephen. I'm, I, as soon as you said Padres, I'm holding up the, the Padres cap that I just got a couple of months ago. I got one of the old school caps, and uh, I'm, I, I love the Padres because the great, great old school caps, beautiful stadium, beautiful city. I've never had any real thing against the Padres, even though we played them in the NL West for years. There was never. Don't much forget of a they ride. have Joe Musgrove. Yeah, well, he 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 didn't make anybody happy the other <laughs> no, day. No, he did not. By uh, you know, kind of di- not diffusing the whole Astros cheating thing and and uh, and stuff. But I, I I just you know for me, like the Pena home run, Stephen. I don't know where you put this, but it's it's hard to say it's up there with Chris Burke because that got the Astros their first ever playoff series that they had won I think in that right if it was 2004 yeah, yeah it was the the two the uh brave series that got them into the uh NLCS in 2005 yeah it was oh was it was it, it was the 2005 so um but was that the first series they won or they, they had won it yeah then they then they faced the Cardinals okay so in 2004 that they, they they had not got to the NL I think yeah they they, they, they didn't quite get there because they they I think they lost to the Braves that was now that was the Carlos Beltran year of course but yeah, 2005 is when Chris Burke did his and uh, sent them to the NLCS. It's hard to imagine, you know, that the Astros, yeah, they were in the National League at one point. But, yeah, it's it's. I, I'd say Burke's homer was bigger, you know, at, at least to some extent. I think what, what really makes this big, Robert, is just the fact that, you know, Jeremy Pena is a rookie. Now, Chris Burke was not – he certainly wasn't a multi-year veteran, but – it was just a, one of the least likely yeah. players you would think would come up and hit a home run would be Chris Burke. Oh, yeah. Nobody thought that. You know, I, like for Pena or Burke, I, I'm looking at just the big picture. 
And really, the reason why it was bigger is it got you to the you, you did something that you hadn't done. Plus, right. you look at the Jeremy Pena deal. We, we we might have to just wait to see what happens with this season because well, that's right. That's you right. you you got to win the next series. I mean, that's what you're supposed to do, and you got to do it. Yeah, it is. And and look, Jeremy Pena's hit. He he had a walk off home run, I think, earlier in the season, uh, and he had 22 home runs. So it's not like he doesn't hit the long ball. You know, Chris Burke just didn't have that many opportunities. But I think with Jeremy Pena, it's not that you expected him to hit that home run, but it's not all that surprising considering, you know, when you look at his numbers, he does have over 20 home runs. And he did have a couple of timely ones throughout the season. Yeah, I thought there was going to be just a lot of smoke and no fire for the Astros in this game. Uh, well, but... there was a lot of smoke. You know, there were <laughs> there were fires in Canada about three hours. There, were, there was a lot of smoke in Seattle, but... Fortunately, it, it came off the Astros' bats at the right time. Yeah, no, that's exactly where I was going with that whole thing. But yeah, exactly. Um, before we get going, Stephen, do you want to play the Yankees? Would you rather play the Yankees just because, you know, you love the rivalry and you're like, well, let's, uh, you know, let's shut up Yankee fans because Astro fans love to do that? You know, I wouldn't mind. I, I would never mind playing the Yankees, especially you know, this year. I mean, if you can go by records, you know, the Astros owned the Yankees just like they owned the Mariners. So if you want to keep that going, oh, I, I'm always happy to go up to Yankee Stadium and shut those fans up. And, you know, I'm a little worried, though, is, you know, they they booed Altuve and he came through there. But the way he's hitting right now, I'm not sure if he can do that at Yankee Stadium, but let's hope that he can. I don't know. You know, I'm always nervous about playing teams like the Guardians who get hot at just the right time. You know, same with the Phillies. Nothing to lose. Yeah. Nothing to lose. Yeah. They make me more nervous than a team like the Yankees because you know the Yankees are going to bring. You know exactly what they've got. But with the Guardians, you don't. So, yeah, I I think, you know, Robert, in thinking about it, I would much rather play the Yankees than the Guardians just for that very reason. Yeah, you look around and you go, isn't this fun? The Dodgers might lose. The Yankees might lose. The Braves are already out. This could be like an easy path. And, but you, you were like, wait, wait, wait. I don't want to think that because it's baseball. No, no. I mean, look what the Braves did to the Astros last year. And, you know, just so many other times when it looked like the Astros could could claim it and they haven't. So, no, I'm, I'm not going to rest easy until that final game is played. But, yeah, I think I'd much rather face the Yankees because you at least know what you've got. Let's talk about going forward because the Astros have to work on things. Obviously, Altuve's got to get it together, and he's got to get rolling. Verlander, I mean, two of your big guns didn't show up this series, and you got to get them going if you're going to win the championship. Number two, Jordan and Tucker had their biggest weaknesses exposed by the Mariners in this series. Not really this series, but in this last game because, well, I should say two games (laughs) because in 18 innings, they had all sorts of issues hitting high fastball, Stephen, and that killed them in this one. And if you watch Jordan enough, you know, like that high and end fastball, if there's one place in the strike zone, you can get them. It's just, you got to get them consistently to be able to locate that pitch. But if well, you do, that's right. it, you know, that's a way to get them out. And he was just, he was having problems with any high fastball. And they, I just thought, I don't know about you. I just thought there wasn't much of an adjustment by the Astros hitters for most of the extra innings. They kept trying to hit the ball out of the ballpark. They weren't going the other way. There was like, Oh, how about just laying down a bunt and getting something going that way, or, you know, try to go opposite field or take a few pitches. But it was like, every guy was walking up there trying to hit a three run homer. And it's like, man, 
that that's not that's not how you win these type of games. Yeah, I agree, and I I think a lot of it, Robert, is that uh, you know the Astros kind of went out of their game plan of what they usually do is that how patient they are at the plate and how they make pitchers throw pitches and and throw good pitches. They were swinging at pitches, you know, high up in the zone, out of the zone. You know, Altuve did that several times, but a lot of the other guys did too. And I think as the game went on, yeah, it almost looked as if they were trying to get this thing over with. Let's take one swing. Maybe we can end it right here, even though the Mariners, of course, had a final at-bat since they were the home team. But I kind of got that impression too, especially as it got into extra innings. They they just kept they, – they were swinging at first pitches – and just swinging way too much. And that probably explains why they had so many swinging strikeouts. I think just about every single one of their strikeouts was swinging. Anything else that I missed before we take off? Well, I don't think so, other than just another classic game that we're going to be talking about for a long, long time. And now we've at least got a few days to recuperate. Uh, I do want to see Justin Verlander bounce back. I'm sure he's going to start game one, I would imagine you know, against whomever it's going to be. But, uh, man, it's just it's just good that we got through this game, Robert, because I sure was sweating bullets. And just a message to Dusty Baker, let's just go with Aledmus Diaz and let's go with Chaz McCormick and settle on those two guys because they're the best at making contact and potentially getting a hit of of the DH candidates and the center field candidates. Yeah, let's do that. And, and look, if you're not going to, I mean, you could even throw David Hensley into the mix. I, I would almost yeah. rather they put him in there than Trey Mancini at this point. I was thinking about that earlier today too, Robert, is, look, if you're not going to play a, Les- a Ledmus, at least give David Hensley a shot at that DH position. What more have you got to lose? And let's not let's not forget, you know, the, the person we haven't talked about that's missing as a result of all this is Michael Brantley. I mean, how much of a difference would he have made in all that decision-making if he were in the lineup? True, true, but I, I feel like the big benefit was that they knew he was pretty much out from the trade deadline so they could make the Mancini trade. And, right. you know, every team has a guy that, that's injured typically. You don't get to the playoffs and everybody's 100% and everybody can play and you miss some big guys um, no matter who you are. And and I, I feel lucky that the worst that we've been hit this year is Michael Brantley to this point, you know, after – not having Verlander and, right. and McCullers and Jordan and some, some of these, and basically Bregman last year, you know, yeah. the, which they didn't have. Yeah. It's just the fact of, you know, how you make your decisions with your outfield and your DH is kind of what I was referring to. Yeah, no, I get it. I get it. I mean, uh, I, I want to remind people also that if you're out there listening, that if you go to our playlist on the YouTube channel, look for an Astros history and memories play playlist. You'll find clips from, some of the nearly 300 interviews that we've done over nine years. You can hear Lance McCullers speaking of him, uh, Correa, Springer, J.R. Richard, Jimmy Wynn, Steve Sparks, Bill Brown, Todd Callis, Julia Morales, and on and on and on. Don't forget that Stephen and I will be back for Astros Live postgames through the entire postseason. If you like it, tell your friends. Uh, we're trying to gain a bigger audience and you know, we love what we're doing with this and we've been covering Houston sports for uh, like between the two of us. uh, It's been a long time. And between the two of us, like I said, it's, I think 60 years uh, in in sports journalism. And, you know, I've been covering Houston sports for 
for 20 years. We both born and raised in Houston. We want the teams to win. We're rooting for them, but we're going to give you our objective thoughts on, on what's happening. Absolutely. And yeah, I am definitely going to be enjoying this one, Robert, and uh, can't wait for the next one. And I'm going to go have my post-game pizza right now. So <laughs> I'm, all, I'm all set. <laughs> well, thank you so much, everybody out there for joining us. And we'll talk to you real soon. Go, go Astros. Astros. You're listening to Houston Sports Talk. Hey, you can support the show by subscribing on YouTube and commenting on the videos. Listen to Houston Sports Talk on Spotify, Apple, Stitcher, and Google. Don't forget to tell a friend and share our show on social media. Spread the word, everybody. Thanks for listening.